Hey, good morning. How many of you have stayed up to midnight on Thursday night? A few? I went to bed at 9 o'clock. Went to bed at 9 o'clock, 9.05, back up. You know why? People in 2020 were ready to blow up 2020, and the fireworks in our neighborhood made it sound like uh, there was nobody going to go to sleep early that day, especially our dog. But, uh, you know, there's, there's always two things that happen at the beginning of the year, especially in the Western world, especially in North America. You know what they are? Number one, resolutions. How many have made resolutions for 2021? We want something better. We want to be someone better. We want better health. We want better body. We want better hair. We want more hair. We want a better brain, which for a lot of us means less television and more books. We want better relationships, which means more time, more contact, more opportunities, more events, more interaction with the people that we love. And so the first thing that we all have in the Western world, especially North America, in common at the beginning of the year, we want to make resolutions. We want to be better. We want something better. The second thing is this. We're all believers. We believe there's something magical about January 1st that, that somehow we're going to be better. All of the resolutions that may have gone to the side in the years past, Somehow in this year, beginning on January 1st, it's going to be different. That this year, we're going to do it. But the second thing we have to consider, a second question, is this. Why then, if we begin so well in January, do we fail and give up by February? And the simple reason is this. Believing doesn't affect doing. Believing doesn't affect doing. If you walk away today without anything else from this sermon, here is the big idea that I want you to get today on this first Sunday of the year, is that you have to do what you believe to be true. Let's say that together. You have to do what you believe to be true. When you look at the world around you and when you look at Scripture, you cannot underestimate the power of doing something. Doing is a big deal. Doing is a tremendous deal. In fact, you don't even have to like doing for it to make a a huge difference in your life. As you know, I've talked about it many times in the past. A hundred years ago, uh, last century, I was a wrestler in high school. And our wrestling room was about 20 feet by 10 feet. There were wrestling mats on the floor from, from wall to wall, corner to corner. And that wrestling room, even in the middle of winter, was about 20 degrees hotter than any other place on the planet. And there was no one who liked going to wrestling practice unless they were a little bit crazy. Practice is where you got bruised. Practice is where you got sore, where you got sweaty. And at times you got bored with the endless repetition of standing up and standing up and standing up, of sitting out and sitting out and sitting out and working on these moves. But then all of a sudden, one day, it just dawns on you that all of a sudden you're a little bit in good shape, at least in better shape. And then a little bit after that, it dawns on you as you're going through these practices that these moves and, and these, these different counters that you learn as a wrestler, they're not something that you have to think about. You've done it so much, you've been doing it and doing it, doing it, that it becomes natural. You do it without having to think about it. Now, let's think about Christians all over the world just for a moment. 
Christians all over the world believe the same core truths in the faith. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and everything in between. Not long after that, man rebelled and everything in creation begins to go south. Sin enters into the world. Um, Death enters into the world. Man can't get it right on his own. In fact, we spent four months this last year at the end of 2020 talking about how human beings are sort of twisted and we're warped and we're kind of bent. And regardless of how hard we try, we can't untwist ourselves. That we can make a better toaster, we can make a better microwave, but we have not been able to make a better human heart. We also believe that Jesus is the Son of God who comes in love, he dies on the cross, resurrected on the third day so that man can be forgiven. And not only forgiven, have a second chance with God. And not only have a second chance with God, but to have a new life. That we're saved by grace. That the Bible is God's Word. We believe all of this, but Christianity has become a little bit more intellectual than it is practical. Would you agree with that? That we can talk a good fight? But in reality, sometimes we're terrible forgivers of each other. That there are times when we don't feel all that great about our prayer life. That, that, we're, that we could do better with prayer. That we're terrible when it comes to patience. We're terrible when it comes to controlling our tongues. Sometimes we're, we're so judgmental. Now, there is a lot said in Scripture about doing and practicing what we believe and know to be true. In fact, the the Bible, and this is sort of an extreme statement, but I want you to think about it this next week. The Bible does not recognize a teaching that doesn't somehow affect how we live in this world. The Bible does not recognize a teaching that doesn't somehow affect how we live in this world. Think about the ministry of Jesus. At the beginning of his ministry, Jesus told his listeners that they were not only to believe the good news, but he also told them to do something. And what was that? Follow him. Follow me. In the Sermon on the Mount, which at the beginning of his his, uh, his ministry, he is describing what human life looks like in the kingdom of God. And at the beginning of that sermon on what life looks like in the kingdom of God, Jesus makes this point. Verse 19 of Matthew 5, whoever practices and teaches, whoever does it, whoever practices it and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. And then he goes from there and he begins to talk about what a life of love what a life of, of, um, of anger, what, what a life of, of, of giving, and, and all of these di- different attributes of the kingdom of God kind of life. He talks about prayer. He talks about practicing piety, how to fast, about chasing after the things that the world chases after. But at the end of all of that, he ends the sermon with the very same point. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice hears them and does them is like a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain comes the streams rise the winds blow it beats against the house yet it does not fail and it does not fall and it does not explode because it had its foundation on the rock but the flip side is true there's a flip side to that coin Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. Rains come, streams rise, 
winds blow, they beat against the house, and it falls with a great crash. At the end of his ministry, that's the beginning of his ministry. At the end of his ministry, on the night that Jesus is betrayed, he's having dinner. And he realizes that along the way, on the way to Jerusalem, he and his disciples have been walking. And he hears his disciples, overhears their conversation about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And now here he is on the eve of his crucifixion. And what is it that he's thinking about? That they need to learn how not only, not, not only the values of the kingdom of God, not only the information of the kingdom of God, but they also need to learn about the life of the kingdom of God, that it's not just knowing, it's also doing. And so he gets up from the table where they're eating, puts a towel around his waist, and he does something that is utterly shocking to them. He gets down on his knees and he begins to wash their feet. And then when he's finished, he goes back to his place, he's dressed, and he says, think about what I've just done. I'm your master, I'm the Lord, I'm your king, and yet I have done this for you. Do this to each other. And then in verse 17, he says, now that you know, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What Jesus has been doing throughout all of his ministry is giving us a formula for a wise life, for a blessed life in the kingdom of God. And the formula looks like this. Hearing and doing equals a wise and blessed life. Hearing and doing is a wise and blessed life. And not only does Jesus teach that, but his brother, his brother James, who's become a leader in the church in Jerusalem after the death, burial, and resurrection, ascension of Jesus back into heaven. James, now some decades after the life of Jesus, picks up on this same teaching and writes this general, this general letter to the church where at the very beginning of the letter he says, do not merely listen to the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. In other words, you have to do what you believe to be true. And then one chapter later, he makes this point about believing and doing. He says, chapter 2, verse 19, you believe that there's one God. That's correct doctrine. There is one God. God is one. You believe that? Good. But even the demons believe that. Even the demons believe that and shudder. And here's the thing. Agreement with something biblical without affecting behavior is demon-level belief. Jesus, over and over again, talking about the difference between those that practice and do and those that teach and do, as opposed to those that are just, just listening and just teaching, he says what? They're hypocrites. Agreement with something biblical, according to James, his brother, without affecting behavior, is demon-level belief. Biblical content alone is not what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And so as we go into 2021, let's be a church of, of disciples of Jesus who not only are filling our hearts and minds with the Word of God, but are diligent in learning how to do and how to live and how to portray and to manifest and to demonstrate the life of Christ in the body of Christ, which is the church. And so here are three ways that I'd like for us to consider approaching the biblical kingdom of God teaching differently this year. 
three things. The first one, remember the Word informs and transforms. The Word of God, remember this, the Word of God informs and transforms. Say to one another, I want to be informed and transformed. First thing, remember the Word of God informs and transforms. I mean, what good is truth if we don't know how to live it? What good is an intention if we can't sustain it? The Word of God does more than convey information. It does things. It changes things. It brings about a new and lasting state of affairs. What is one of the first things we learn in the Bible? That there is a God, and He has a Word, and the Word is powerful. That God speaks, and things happen. Creation out of nothing. The Word of God informs, and it transforms. It brings about a new and lasting state of affairs. In fact, when James is writing this, and he says in the first chapter, don't just listen to the world, word, but, but do it, he says this it, right before that, in verse 18. He says, He, that is God, chose to give us birth. He's not giving us a new leaf. He's giving us a new life. He chose to give us birth, a, a new birth, through the word of truth that we might be kind of a firstfruits of all He created. What, what James is trying to convey to those that are listening to this letter is that your life, not just what you believe, but what you believe and how it affects your life, your behavior, is a snapshot of what God is doing in the world. And so when we, in 2021, we come to that place in the day where we we are presented with the Word of God, we need to remember that it's not just about information, the names of the cities, the names of the apostles, the names of those that wrote the New Testament or the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament, but it's about information of what God is doing in the world and primarily in your life. It informs and it transforms. Number two, reflect on what the Word says. Now, we talk, we talk a lot about reflecting on God's Word and, and studying and thinking about it. And a lot of times, you know, they kind of stay out there in the clouds, and we don't really know what that means. If you want a great picture of what it means to reflect or to meditate or contemplate on God's Word, watch your dog chew a bone. Our German shepherd intuitively knows when there are bones after a meal that she is going to receive. And she is happy. I, one of the best parts of the day is when my dog grins at me and, and does a little dance about a bone that she's going to get. Now, it's always got to be outside. Ellen has strict rules about anybody chewing on a bone in the house. So the dog gets the bone, goes out into the backyard where she props, she goes right in the middle of the yard, and she props that bone up on one paw, and she begins to gnaw at it and to lick it and to chew on it. She gets lost in that bone. She worries that bone. And all the time she's groaning and moaning and growling. And then she goes back to it the next day and the day after that. And finally when I'm mowing the lawn and I see that bone in front of the lawnmower and I stop it, I pick it up to throw it over into the garden. That bone is absolutely slick and clean and polished because of what that dog has done with it. This is this word that we translate in the Bible as meditate, Hagah, in other places in the Bible is translated growl. That when we as disciples of Jesus come to the word of God, we, we do what a dog does with a bone with that word. 
we don't just read it and, and leave it be. We, we worry it and we, we, we gnaw on it and we chew on it. And we don't just you know, leave it alone after one day. We come back to it day after day after day until we have picked everything clean. The words and the meaning and the story, the narrative and the context. We get lost in God's Word. I want you to repeat after me. In 2021, I want to gnaw on God's Word. Say that with me. In 2021, I want to gnaw on God's Word. And then the last thing is this. Respond to God's Word with your whole life. Respond to God's Word with your whole life. You, you remember that this, that this is not just a dictionary. It's not just a, a manual. The, you know, the Bible is, is the story, it's the narrative of, of how we came into being, the, the existence of God and God's interaction with us and what God is continually doing to, to bring that relationship back together and to bring about the, the creation the way that it was always intended to be. That this Word has power and it gives us a new birth and a new life. And that it's not just something to be revered on the coffee table that, you know, we just, hey, there's the Bible, you must be a Christian family. But that, but that word that is so powerful has to be entered into and processed or pressing our minds into God's word in such a way that it, it kind of looks like a dog chewing on a bone and picking it clean and getting everything, everything that it has to offer out of it. But unless we respond to God's word with our whole life, then there's always going to be sort of that, that, that half entrance into what it is that God can do with your life. There's something that we're going to talk about later in the year, but one of the things that I believe about being a disciple of Jesus, as, as much as I believe anything, is that because God has given us free will, and because God has decided that He is going to operate within the free will of human beings, that God will not enter into those unrepented places of our lives. There are places in our life that we are willing to be vulnerable. There are things that we don't mind God knowing, even though He knows all things. We fool ourselves into thinking, yes, this is the part of my life that I'm going to reveal to God. God, because of free will and choosing to honor that part of what it means to be a human being, will not enter into those places that we have not repented of. And so when we respond to God's Word, we have to go into it and approach it and, and embrace it and gnaw on it and reflect on it with every inch, every part of our being. We do what the Word teaches primarily in two areas. The first is relationships. The Word of God is meant to be lived authentically and genuinely in our marriages. It's meant to live to be lived authentically and genuinely within our family, within our church family, with our friends and our neighbors and with our colleagues. The Word of God affects the way that I live with other people. It, it affects the way that I am becoming more, being made in the image of God and looking like Christ and the way that I interact with people and especially those that are on that same trajectory of trying to look like Christ himself. And then the second thing is in the area of resources. What does the Bible say about your talents? What does, what does God's Word teach us? What does Jesus teach us 
about, about worrying about finances and, and the insecurities that we have in our life when it comes to time and, 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 and resources and talents and all those kinds of things. What does the Bible say in, in terms of our relationships and resources that when, when we find ourselves struggling in an area that we're supposed to do in God's presence and with brothers and sisters or a brother and a sister? When we go to the Word of God, it is about responding and reacting to God's Word with our whole being, our whole heart, in complete honesty. What is it? You, you know this as well as I do. We say it all the time. What, what is the definition of a dysfunctional life or a dysfunctional relationship? The inability to be honest. When we come into the presence of God, it is about being open. Now, it's the beginning of 2021, and because we think about resolutions and we think about a different kind of life, I've come up with a five-point challenge. If you want to uh, see more detail on this, you can go to the website. There's a link that will take you to the MPG for the very first day or for the very first Sunday of this year. But it's basically five words, and they're, they're, they're numbers, basically. One, two, three, four, five. And so what I would like for you to do, if you're willing to do it, is to choose one word. It may, be, it may be one of the fruit of the Spirit that we were looking at at the end of last year. Or it might be an area of your life that you already know. I, I'm struggling with this. I'm not a very good servant. And so that's my word. And what I want you to do with that one word is I want you to write it down on a number of pieces of paper and, and, and stick it in places where you see it all the time to remind you of the one word that you're going to be working on and you're going to meet two times a month with three people. And it can be more than that, but at least two times a month, I want you to meet with three people, one's you, two other people that are willing to participate, and I want you to meet twice a month or more for four months, and during those meetings, you're going to ask each other five questions. The five questions are these. Have you prayed about this word daily? I mean, one of the most important things that you can do at the beginning of a year when it comes to belief and things that you believe about the Word of God is to pray about it. I want to be a better servant. And so I pray, God, develop in me through your spirit and through your word and through my relationships and opportunities, the opportunity to serve other people and to serve people like Jesus did. And then the second question is, have you committed scriptural teaching to heart? That is memorization. Let me give you uh, this little unknown secret about memorization of God's word. Memory work never killed anybody. Have you memorized those, those, those scriptures, those texts that talk about the importance of service? For the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Uh, there's all kinds of verses that we, we put into our heart. The Bible that we take with us every day, wherever we go, the word of God that we memorize in our heart. Question number three, have you had failures and defeats this past week or the past two weeks with this word, service or joy or whatever it might be? Question number four, have you had victories with this word? Tell me about them. And then number five, and this is always the hardest question, are you telling the truth? One, per, uh, one word, two times a month with three people over a period of four months asking five questions to develop this in your heart 
and life and body so that you can be a doer and not just a hearer of the word only. One of the things that I believe with all my heart, church, and that I want us to do a better job of in 2021 is to be people whose, whose lives are marked with the presence of God. I want us to bear the fruit of the Spirit. I, I want us to, 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 to be able to, to be at peace and to be secure and to have joy, knowing that God is with us at all moments and that we walk with Him daily. Not just think about Him, but we're walking with Him on a daily basis. There will be more about this that we're going to talk about in the coming weeks. But let's be blessed in doing and hearing. Let's stand and sing.